This podcast contains discussions about mental health and may contain discussions about suicide and self-harm. If you or somebody that you know is experiencing distress or is in immediate danger, dial triple O or call Lifeline on 131114 or Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. Also, if you believe that someone you love is experiencing a mental health issue, please encourage them to go and talk to their GP as soon as possible. Thanks very much for listening. Hello everyone, welcome to the very first ever How You Going Mate podcast. Adam Holstein is my name and uh, week in, week out or as often as we can, uh, I will be the host of the podcast, I'll be the man sitting here with the voice and ordinarily we'll have two people uh, on the podcast but uh, today it's just me uh, and I'm, I want to I guess take the next half an hour or, go to, uh, or so uh, to explain to you all uh, what How You Going Mate is, to explain to you um, uh, what we're hoping to do with How You're Going Mate, uh, what we're trying to do with How You're Going Mate, I should say, uh, why it exists, um, a little bit about my story, a little bit about the, uh, I guess, the catalyst for How You're Going Mate, uh, why, I guess, we chose a podcast, and, and ultimately what we hope to do with this podcast. And that's probably, hopefully that's, what, hopefully that's what we get to do over the next half an hour or so. Uh, so How You're Going Mate, um, for those of you that are not aware, uh, is a uh, is a Facebook page that I run, and I have run for a, a couple of years with my wife Barbara, um, and uh, we both contribute to that. Um, probably, probably her a little bit more than me. All of the fantastic uh, uh, articles, sort of stories that you see on there, are often Barb's, and the uh, the the quotes and the pictures are often mine. Uh, but how you going, mate? Is a um, a mental health awareness and a suicide awareness page. Uh, it is uh, designed to uh, be another voice in the conversation and hopefully the changing narrative around mental health and uh, mental illness and suicide. We started the page, uh, as I said, a couple of years ago uh, with the intention of, um, I guess, changing the way we approached people with a mental health issue. Uh, and, and, and it was in direct response to, I guess, the sentiment that we often see on social media that says, you know, if you need me, I'm here. Um, you know, I want everyone to know that I'm, I'm, you know, you can come and talk to me. I have a shoulder to lean on or I have a, you know, my door's always open and, and I'm, and I'm never, ever going to say that you shouldn't say that. Like that is a wonderful sentiment and it's fantastic to see people, uh, express that they are open to talking to people about mental health issues. But the, I guess one of the simple truths of mental health is, is we don't talk about mental health. We don't. It is still very much a taboo. It is still very much an issue that isn't uh, uh, out there in public, and it's also very much an issue that it has still has an incredible amount of stigma associated to it. Uh, we are scared to show that vulnerability, so we don't talk about it. Uh, so what we want to do is change people's way of thinking. Rather than waiting for someone to come and talk to you about their mental health, if you have a friend that you think has a mental health issue, a loved one, a co-worker, anybody that is in your life that you are concerned has a mental health issue, you know they're going through a tough time and you're seeing um, 
changes, negative changes, or any kind of changes, I suppose, in that person, what we want you to do is rather than wait for them to come and talk to you, uh, we want you to go and talk to them. We want you go. We want you to go and ask them the very, very simple question: "How are you going, mate?" Uh, and we want you to start the conversation about their mental health and. You may well get the response, I'm fine, everything's good. That's perfectly uh, acceptable uh, response. Uh, look, mate, how you going, mate? Yeah, mate, I'm good, I'm good. Um, but we want you to look past that and we want you to look at the things that you know about a person. Uh, you know, if someone's just lost their job, had a, had a marriage breakup, lost, you know, lost a parent, lost a child. Um, if you're seeing any of those kind of traumatic life events, if you've, you know, if you know that somebody has had uh, something from their past um, come back to, to kind of cause them an issue. If you, if you know that, um, you know, your friend has a history of abuse or, or anything like that. You know, these are all, uh, these are all life experiences that create mental health issues. And also, if you're seeing signs of uh, I guess poor mental health. You know, you're seeing changes in your friend's behaviour. You're seeing they're isolating themselves. They're drinking more. They're smoking more. They're gambling more. Um, any, you know, it could be any range of behaviours and and coping mechanisms, both negative and and positive coping mechanisms. Uh, we want you to kind of have the courage to come to the person and say to them, you know. I am concerned about your mental health. How are you going? So if you genuinely have an, have a, a, an inkling that somebody is uh, dealing with a mental health issue, is perhaps has a mental health condition, and, you, and you're worried about that person, don't just let it go. Don't wait for them to come and speak to you. Don't express the I'm here if you need me sentiment. Go and talk to them and ask them how you're going, mate, and be open about it. And don't be afraid of the effect it's going to have in your relationship. They, 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 might, they might be happy that someone's finally done that. But very simply, how you're going, mate, is, is about not waiting for someone to come and talk to you. It is about taking the initiative and going to talk to people and asking them very directly about their mental health and showing them that you care and that you're concerned and that you love them. Uh, beyond that, though... Uh, it's tough to talk about mental health and, and what we kind of hope to do over the um, course of the podcast is give you some information, explore how to talk about mental health. Uh, I guess the only other thing I would say, though, about the How You Going Mate podcast is, um, or the How You Going Mate idea, I should say, is nobody expects you to fix a mental health issue. And, and the, the example that I always use is that um, if you've done a first aid certificate and somebody falls over in front of you and breaks their leg, nobody expects you to do surgery. Um, you know, if you've done the first aid certificate, if you're there when somebody seriously injures themselves, we want you to sit there and, and make that person comfortable and, uh, and call the professional and get the professional to come over and take over. And, and, and that is exactly the same approach we want for the, for the people out there talking about mental health with people. It is fantastic to talk. It is wonderful to listen. Um, it is, it is a wonderful opportunity to explore your mental health um, and and how you feel about it, but nobody expects you to solve problems. Nobody expects you to be a counsellor or a psychotherapist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Uh, 
Nobody expects you to medicate anybody. You can't diagnose people. What we want you to do is is take that first aid approach. Recognize that that person's uh, mental health is poor, and we want you to, you know, make them comfortable, but also make sure they're receiving professional help. At the very least, get them to go and talk to a GP or, or check if they are um, already talking to somebody. Um, that's essentially what How You're Going, mate, is uh, uh, to, to talk to you now a little bit about uh, what and why it exists, I suppose. There's a couple of, um, uh, I guess, driving forces to this story. Uh, my, my history, my background is, is that I was diagnosed with uh, depression back in 2007. Uh, my depression was as a direct result of a marriage breakdown and, uh, and, and a range of different circumstances that were happening in my life at the time. I was also fairly unhappy in the, in the job that I had and not performing very well and uh and really um struggling with the the idea that I had a version of my life that I thought I was going to live, and that was taken away from me, and I had no control over that and uh I like to um well not like to, but I also think look I think that that I was uh, kind of destined to uh deal with a mental health issue and deal with depression. There is a fair amount of evidence to suggest that there is a um a, i guess a genetic connection. In all of this, but um, for me, uh, uh, one of my parents and uh, one of, and at least one of my grandparents uh, had some fairly significant mental health issues. Uh, I didn't find out about my parent until uh, I was diagnosed, and um, and then they came out and spoke to me about their issues. and uh, And I guess my grandfather, uh, I didn't know about him. Uh, I, I didn't know him. I, he died when I was quite young, but. I didn't know about I, I, looking at him now, uh, knowing his, his history growing up, um, uh, and also having he had served in in World War Two, um, not in a in I guess in a in a fighting capacity, but still in a still served in that conflict, and and I, I suspect that some of his was um, I guess the result of a traumatic childhood uh, coupled with maybe some uh, what we now know was post traumatic stress disorder or PTSD as a result of his uh, army service. But um, he, uh, he self-medicated, I think self-medicated a mental health problem, as did many men of his generation. And, uh, and, and I, so I suspect that there was at least a couple of generations worth of people in my, in my uh, family that meant that I was probably genetically predisposed to this and it was perhaps even an inevitability. And there are people that will argue that point with me, but that's not what this is about. This is just about exploring how I um, experienced that mental health condition that I had so um so um of course I uh, was diagnosed uh, as I said fairly traumatic experience and I showed a lot of the very classic signs of depression mine was uh, the most social isolation some unhealthy coping mechanisms uh, unexplained anger some weight loss and um, and and I guess uh, general feeling of helplessness that you, you get when depression kicks in. I was very fortunate that I had a mother who was extremely supportive and very quick to recognise what was happening with me. And almost immediately, uh, well, not almost immediately, but before it got too far, took me to a doctor, took me to my doctor and um, made me sit down and speak to my doctor about my mental health. And my doctor almost immediately put me on a mental health plan, uh, recommended 
counselling and medication. And uh, I, I guess over the course of the podcast, we'll explore recovery. It's not something I want to get into today, but I, I, I do have a couple of people I think I can talk about recovery with, and, I, and I, I'm happy to explore that later on. Uh, but for me, um, I think the combination of uh, medical help, uh, clinical-based recovery and, 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 and the medication coupled with the personal recovery and the counselling and the, and the self-exploration, I think um, that was the, the major factors in enabling me to, um, well, I, I want to say recover from my depression. There's a, a whole range of different thoughts, schools of thoughts on this uh, in terms of recovery, uh, but it let me beat it. Um, so it was, a, it was a long road. It was probably a good uh, three to four years before I really got on top of it. I mean, I, I took the, the the initial kind of fight probably took about 12 months, but um, the following that, uh, it was there was still some work to do and um, and I still had to do some some fairly um, intense rebuilding over that time. So it was it was probably a good three, three or four years before I, I fully recovered. But I, I consider myself a lucky one. Um, and I've spoken to a number of people about their mental health journeys and their, and their mental illnesses. And I've, I've got friends who have been hospitalised. I've got friends who have been sectioned. I've got friends who have attempted suicide. I've got friends who have uh, completed suicide. I've got friends who have um, had long-term ongoing mental health issues and only dealt with them in their 40s. And I've had friends that have been dealing with them since they were 16, 15 even. Um and, and of all the discussions that I've had, I, I mean, I consider myself lucky in that uh, I had a very supportive family. I had a very supportive group of friends. I had a very supportive uh, workplace. Um, uh, all of those people were very quick to recognise and accept my mental health. Nobody really ever made me feel like I wasn't good enough or or that my mental health was, um, you know, something to be ashamed of. And um, ultimately, we I was able to uh, was able to use that strong foundation. So I had the good support network. I the medication that I took initially worked for me, um, and and often it's a a bit of an experiment for people with their medication. They've got to try a whole range of different medications because one just doesn't work, and and you know often the even the diagnosis sometimes is wrong um, initially. And it takes a little while to nail that down as well. So my diagnosis was right. I had great support, medication worked, and I found a fantastic counsellor. Um, and I, and I'm going to name the counsellor. The counsellor was a man named John Woodhouse, who was a um, worked for an organisation called Recover, R E C O V R E, a little bit of different spelling there, out at Campbelltown. Uh, John was a uh, part of our employee assistance program in my workplace. And uh, these, they were the, the psychologists that we were sent to as a result of that. And uh, John, um, I, I've often said to people, John put me back together. Without John, I don't, you know, I wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't have got back together the way I did. So, like I said, very lucky I got the right counsellor, the right medication, had the right support, had the right diagnosis from the start and was able to um, begin my recovery journey um, pretty well to start with. But I like to, um, I like to uh, sort of almost um, joke, I guess, for lack of a better word, that, you know, I was one of the lucky ones. But um, 
I wasn't lucky. Nobody that deals with a mental health condition is lucky. It's really hard work and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But I, I spent a good period of time hiding my mental health condition and being really worried about people's reactions to it because um, particularly at the time I was going through a divorce and uh, was really concerned about how it would be used against me and how uh, that vulnerability would be exploited. Uh, and also... Um, living in a culture where, you know, we talk about cultural perspectives on mental health and often we kind of ignore our, our own cultural perspectives. Well, we're, we're ignorant to it, I guess. Not We don't ignore it, um, but we're ignorant to it. And I, I'm a white Australian male and uh, I'm not supposed to cry. I'm not supposed to be sad. I'm supposed to be tough. I'm supposed to carry on. Um, those The emotions that I have, I'm supposed to regulate them fairly heavily and and if I you know I I, for, I played rugby for 10 years and you know we didn't sit around and have beers after football games and talk about our feelings you know we talked about cars and girls and other footy games and other footy players and a whole range of things but I, I discovered that there were times where you know people realized that there was a deeper conversation to be had and they could have that with me and um, I, I guess that's always been the case. But uh, after my diagnosis, I, I started to have those deeper conversations with people and, and I started to become more aware of people's mental health. And one of the things I realised was I wasn't actually, you know, you think I think you think when you get diagnosed, because nobody talks about this, you, you think you're different. You think you're something uh, special, you know, oh, no one's ever, this, I've got depression, no one's ever experienced this before. There's so, such a rare thing and then you talk to people and you say this is the case and people go yeah me too I've been taking medication for years I, I probably dated three or four women um, in in the in the time between my marriages and, and all of them took medication for a mental health issue uh, of some description or had taken it in the past so um, I wasn't special I, I wasn't different and I, I started to understand the, the, the statistics of this which is you know, half of us, nearly 48.5%, nearly 50% of people in their adult life will deal with a mental health condition. Uh, so half the population, you know, like literally one in two people, that's an incredible amount. I mean, if half the population did anything, we would be screaming about this and, and we're not screaming about this, we're hiding this. Um, and at any given time, 20% of people walk around with an ongoing mental health condition you know so it, it, these they're incredible numbers but I started to recognize it in other people and I started to talk to them a little bit about it and wasn't really doing a lot with it for a very long time just sat and and quietly kind of made sure that people had me to lean on if they needed to I, I kind of quietly monitored conversations and about three years ago maybe four years oh, actually probably closer to four or five years ago was having a conversation with a, a man named Anthony Sneddon and Night Owl, if you listen to this, this is uh, your credit in this story. We were discussing um, mental health and mental health issues and and again, I you know, would never... Um, we're talking about the concept of um, talking to other people and uh, the Night Owl said to me, look, I think, it's, um, I think it's just as simple as walking up to someone and asking them, how you going, mate? And I think that's something we should do all the time. And sometimes in your life, something happens and it resonates with you. 
in a, in an incredible way. You just can't get it out of your head. Um, and it sat there for a couple of years. I wrote it down that night when I got home. I was uh, doing a community radio show with the Night Owl, and I, I wrote it down when I got home. And I wrote down, how are you going, mate? A mental health and suicide, a mental health awareness initiative. And, uh, you know, I, I, and I thought about this, and it was about the same time that those uh, social media messages started popping up around, you know, I'm here if you need me. And I, and I really, um, I sat on it for a little while thinking that that's actually a really good idea. I'm going to use that one day. And un- unfortunately, the second part of this story is, uh, uh, the second part of this story is the reason that How You Going Mate exists. So on Friday the 30th of June 2017, speaking of social media, one of my very oldest friends uh, put a post on Facebook and it was the last post that he would ever put on Facebook and he said in the post, and I quote... I'm so sorry. My biggest regret is that I couldn't be what you needed me to be. And now that worried me immediately. Not enough that I thought that he had done anything. Um, But in the sense of, and I remember very much so at the time seeing it and going, that's a real concern. I, I I guess my initial thought was maybe that he'd perhaps left his wife or that his wife had left him, that they'd been married for a very long time. Both of them were people I'd known since our teens. We'd all gone to high school together. And I, I was really concerned. Um, unfortunately for, for me, and I guess for him, at the time um, I was nursing... Uh, my older daughter, who had just had brain surgery only a, a, a little bit, about a week before, week and a half before. So I didn't immediately respond or reply. I think I might have um, I might have reacted on Facebook or something like that. I didn't do anything. And I, um, I went and went about my day and I didn't think any more about it and and later that night later that night um I, as much as I want this to sound like a professional podcast uh, you'll notice I paused then and I've come back saying something completely different and of course um yeah anyway <laughs> back to the story so I uh, later that evening um and I guess this is probably maybe in the too much information basket, but I feel like that's where this is going to be, this podcast, most of the time. Later that evening, we were going about our business, and my wife wanted me to bath my younger child, and I said, yes, I would. But uh, but as many men out there and many women out there will attest to, and, you know, I have this wonderful ability that whenever my wife asks me to do something, I, I immediately need to go to the toilet first. Um, so I said to my wife, I'll just let me go to the toilet and then I'll come and do it. And she rolled her eyes at me and, okay. And so I went into the, the bathroom and I'm into our ensuite that we have here and uh, went to the toilet 
and uh, opened up my Facebook page and that message came up again, as sometimes those messages repeat when people comment. And so rather than just do a comment on the post, I sent a direct message to him and I said, hey, mate, is everything okay? Still kind of thinking maybe there'd been a marriage issue or something had happened uh, in their relationship and um, immediately I got a, a message from uh, my friend's wife saying, can you give me a call on this number? And I called her, um, starting to think that there was something more serious wrong um, and perhaps maybe that um, he had left, Steve had left and, and perhaps he'd, she couldn't get in contact with him. And um, so I called her and she informed me that he had taken his life. He had hung himself in the garage of their home and he had um, done that around about an hour and a, an hour and ten minutes after he put that Facebook message up. In fact, he put the message up and immediately went into the garage and and did it, and was found an hour and ten minutes later, um, an hour and fifteen minutes later, by his wife and his then eighteen year old son, and it changed my world it just absolutely devastated me and and created a a whole new set of emotions just it devastated me I I, I remember getting off the toilet um, standing up getting off the toilet uh, or getting out of the bathroom I'd I'd finished going to the toilet before I called his wife obviously went out to walk through the house walked into the hallway where the bathroom is in my house, my wife started to ask me about, well, you know, you finished on the toilet now? And, you, and I just looked at her and I went, Steve's dead. And I had to specify which Steve because I have a couple of very good mates named Steve, but um, Steve's dead. And she went, what, 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 how? And I told her and I broke down. And I'm not a person that likes to cry, not because I don't think it's a macho thing to do. I was not really that person, but... Uh, through my life, I've off, I go blotchy and red when I cry, and I hate the way I look when I cry. So I've kind of almost mastered, I kind of almost mastered the art of of not fully breaking out in tears because it really just doesn't suit me. <laughs> but um, uh, I broke down in tears, and I cried for most of that night, and I cried for most of the next day. Um, I had no way of comprehending this I had no way of understanding this um, and and I'd never experienced anything like this I'd experienced death death is death but there is a very big difference between the the 92 year old woman that dies from being 92 years of age and you almost are waiting for it to happen versus a, a perfectly healthy 42 year old man who chooses to end his own life it's a really different type of grief and anyone that's experienced it will understand it is a very different type of grief um so we 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 started the process of processing that and understanding why he did what he did he was healthy he was fit a little bit overweight and whatever but you know um he had a good life had a wife that loved him, he had a house, he had two wonderful kids, a fantastic job, he just bought his dream car. You know, and often we see people that take their lives and we look at the things, and particularly high-profile people are a great example. You look at somebody like Chris Cornell, the lead singer from Soundgarden, 
Cornell had everything. Why does that man need to take his own life? Um, but unfortunately he did, and unfortunately Steve did. There are reasons that I won't talk about. There are things out of respect for him and his wife and, and his privacy and their privacy. Um, we may discuss them. I hope to have her on the podcast at some point, but there are things that have happened in, in his life that I know contributed to his poor mental health and, and ultimately his suicide, and I I know that there were things that it, perhaps he hadn't reconciled, and I know that there'd been events perhaps that had happened in his life in, in you know fairly recently prior to him taking his own life that would have had a fairly significant issue impact on his mental health but in in the week or two after that it became suddenly and immediately and savagely clear to me what I could do and what I needed to do and that was when I started the How You Going Mate Facebook page um, that was when I put it up I created the page, I made the page, and that was when I went, I'm, th- that was the catalyst for starting How You Going, Mate. That was a, the catalyst for starting this particular um, initiative. We need to talk about suicide. We need to talk about mental health. We need to talk about why. Six men and two women every day are dying. We need to talk about why 65,000 people every year attempt to take their own lives. You know, for every one person that, that takes their own life, there's, they estimate there's another two to three that, that actually attempt. So where you've got one person every three hours, oh, sorry, not two to three, 20 to 30 that attempt. So it could be as many as one person every three minutes. Um, attempting to take their own life and um, one person every three hours are dying from suicide. So we need to talk about this problem. We need to have this problem out in the open and we need to have this problem. And to give you a little bit, bit of perspective for those of you that don't know the statistics, around about twelve to 1,400 people die in motor vehicle accidents every year. Um, and... There are road safety ads all over the television. Um, anywhere between, well, in 2017, we had 3,218 people suicide. Um, more than two and a half times the national road toll. That's why it's such a massive issue. And that's why we need to be talking about suicide. So uh, what we're going to do... Um, with this podcast, hopefully, is to can have these conversations. We're going to have these. Um, we're going to change this narrative. We nobody asks for suicide to be introduced into their lives, and I most certainly didn't. Um, Mental health is something we experience. We all experience it. Some of us experience mental health issues and and deal with those in various degrees. But we've um, we've nobody really wants to have this conversation. So over the last, actually, only the last few months, I'm listening to a lot of people talk about um, the human condition. What it, what it means to be a human being. Everybody from 
Joe Rogan to Chris Jericho, Dr. Phil to Will Anderson, um, hearing conversations left, right and centre, having conversations with people. And I like conversations. I like to talk to people about mental health. I, I start to, I'm um, starting to understand through these conversations more of my own mental health and more of what it means to have a mental health issue and and really just how serious that time in my life was. I, I tendency, um, and I think Australians culturally tend have a tendency to do this where we, we downplay a lot, ah, should be right, mate, or... Uh, yeah, mate, it was nothing. Don't worry about it. But um, it isn't nothing. It is something. And um, we, and it was something. It continues, I guess, to be something. Um, so I want to have conversations. And I want to talk to people. And I want to talk to people who I know, um, some of which have had fairly significant mental health issues. I want to talk to people who have been in situations where their mental health is challenged. Um, I want to talk to people who are doing things that uh, support their mental health. I want to talk to people that do extraordinary things. Uh, I want to find out how other people manage their mental health. I want to find out tips and tricks. I want to get different perspectives on mental health. Um, I want to know what they do. I want to share what I do. I want to make sure that um, the world understands my take on this. And I want to just hear stories, uh, and I and I don't I don't want the Facebook inspirational meme. I don't want someone looking and and having that as being the thing that changed their life because that can it can be a a catalyst catalyst for change. But I, I you have to explore and understand and walk around inside your mental health and your trauma and your pain and your truth and all of those things. Um, I want to I want to redefine mental health. I want to redefine strength. I want to redefine uh, what it means to be able to talk about it. I, I want to get people to, to understand themselves better. And, and, and in turn, we understand, if we can understand others better, we can understand ourselves better. Um, I want to break down stigma. I want people to understand that mental health isn't something to be scared of. I want people to understand the difference between mental health and mental illness. I want people to want to remove those barriers. Um, I want people to think of mental health in the same way they think of physical health, uh, health. Um, and to quote. Uh, Caroline Norman, who is a co-worker of mine, I want to be loud about this. Uh, I want, as I said, I want to encourage discussion and I want to educate. That's what this podcast is going to do. Um, why podcast? Because you can listen to it anywhere, you know. And if it gets big enough and it gets enough traction, we can go out and take the message out to people. We can do workshops and do discussions and do live events and and have people understand what this is about. Um, and if if it gets big enough, we can do YouTube and we can have, you know, pictures and, and, and show people. And 
we've got to take we've got this incredible opportunity in the modern world to communicate um the ability to communicate at a mass scale even up until only a few years ago was was limited to the very few you know um i've spent about five hundred dollars and i can record this message and i can send it to the world and i and that's what we can that's what we're going to do so we're going to send it out on we're going to put it out on uh podcast and we're going to put it on facebook and we're going to put it on youtube and we're going to put it out there as many places as we can and we're going to have the conversations and we're going to talk about mental health and as i said at the very start we are going to get you in your car in your train in on the train, in your bathtub, in the shower, on the toilet, wherever you are, we're going to sit there and you can hear these conversations. And as we said at the very start, we're going to have these discussions about mental health and we're going to get you to understand that it isn't enough to let people know that you're there. We want you to be proactive. We want you to take the initiative. We want you to get out and ask people, how are you going, mate? And I think we're going to leave it on that note. I think we're going to leave it there. I think we're going to let you all take that away. So now begins the process for recording these podcasts and finding the interesting people. If you're listening to this and feel like you've got a story to tell or a story to share, hit me up. I'm uh, If you're within driving distance of Sydney, Australia, I will come and talk to you. I've got uh, equipment that I can put in a backpack, chuck in my car, and travel just about anywhere, and I will. In, I fully intend on doing that. So, um, if you're out there and you want to talk, come and talk. But in the meantime, the one thing I will ask you to do: I will say goodbye. I will thank you for listening, and I will ask you: as soon as I get up, as soon as you stop listening, pick up your phone. If it's a call, if it's a message, if it's an email, I don't care. But just ask somebody. How are you going, mate? Thanks for listening. <laughs>